Hello, and welcome to the very first podcast of the Dakota Boys Talk Movies. I am your host, Steven, along with my good bud, a man who knows too much, Dakota. Dakota, anything you'd like to say? Here's yourself. Well, no, not really. <laughs> okay, well, we are doing this podcast because, gosh darn it, there is just not enough people out there doing podcasts and such on movies. So we are attempting to fill that void. All right, not really. We're hoping you do enjoy it, though, and we figured we're going to talk about movies anyways, so we thought we might as well throw us out there in the hope that we can be a unique voice in that space to some of you. I would say that we are very different than many in that space and that we're not your average city folk. We're, in fact, quite the opposite of that, and I'd have to say I'm proud of not being a city folk. I don't know about you, Dakota. It's okay. <laughs> would you rather be a city folk? Uh, Dakota, I want you to be honest right now. Do you hate the fact that you may now forever be known as a Dakota boy? <laughs> Even uh, though it's your name? <laughs> uh, I was already called that, so... <laughs> I was called that before it was fashionable, okay? Uh, That's true, you're like, I was Dakota... Well, were you Dakota before it was cool? Technically, that would be the Native Americans. Yeah, well, I suppose. You fit that, too, though. I mean, you, you get all the glory. I got nothing. I'm just... A pasty skinned chubber. All right. Well, I'm. I have the body for radio. Dakota has the voice. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, we hope you enjoy yourselves and have a little patience with us, because um, this is really we're kind of learning as we go. We are not professionals <laughs> by any means of the word. Um, and hopefully, you know, as we keep going, we'll be able to advance this podcast. But, hey, you got to start somewhere, so here we are. Ta-da! I like to think we're helping these people while they're helping us. There you go. It's like, it's therapy on both sides. It's like, we're helping you help us. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> on that note... Moving uh, on. Moving on. <laughs> that was a beautiful segue. Um... I guess here we are, we're the, we're the first episode, today's episode, first episode, premiere event. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about movies, that's why we're here. And we're going to talk about the movies we're excited for this summer, um, because, well, it's finally, I don't know, here it's hot today, it finally was kind of hot, it was windy, but it was like, it was still hot, in fact, I think our entire state was in a fire warning all day, which... Is, is always exciting, so... Which is still in effect <laughs> until 8 o'clock. Yeah, well... Yeah, got a little bit of time then. So, there you go. Um. So, yeah, we're just going to talk about the movies we're most excited about this summer. Some predictions we have on them, because our predictions will be spot on, I guarantee. <laughs> they're almost not predictions, they're almost more fact in, in that regards. Um, and some that are, I don't know, on the bubble. I got some that, like, I desperately want to be good. And not just because I'm paying, like, $10,000 a movie to see them <laughs> at the movie theater. But I just want them to be good. Um, I don't know if they will be. Are you, are you probably in the same boat as me? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was I was think I had something to say and then my mind went just went it's, completely blank. It's fine. You're you're a male. For some reason when we're thinking, nothing else can happen. 
Well, I was pro. I was thinking more <laughs> along the lines of there are probably more movies coming out this year that are somehow related to something I've loved from my childhood. I, I, I would agree with you there. I know what you mean because I'm sure you're referring to like ones we'll get into, like Jurassic World. Yeah. Whereas Jurassic Park basically defined my childhood in that I was like, I want to be a dino nerd now, <laughs> you know, and like. Oh, that's an Aranosaurus and things like that. But and then yeah, Terminator. I'm guessing that'd be another one. Oh yeah. And uh, I don't. What else? What I suppose the comic book movies or those things that are. Um. Well, I always kind of had a soft spot for the Fantastic Four. Um. Mostly because of the thing. I mean, what what teenager couldn't couldn't sympathize with this dude that you know wasn't wasn't some brain or. Wasn't wasn't the cool guy that was getting all the chicks. He was just this schmo that, well, he was pretty ugly, but you know, he, he was tough and he but was he, dependable. Yeah, he was beautiful on the inside. <laughs> I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful, big man. Yeah. Um, that is that, and then of course, uh, one of my favorite animo- animated movies of all time, uh, Peter Pan. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Oh, also, uh, Hook huge fan of when I was little and we're kind of getting the the Peter Pan begins this this it's year. true we'll have to talk about Hook later because I, I was thinking about Hook the other day because of Pan but I think before we get into kind of our whole summer events that we're looking forward to there's just a few news bits I caught this week I thought it'd be interesting to talk about uh, one would be I'm really excited about this. I don't know about you. Is Steven Spielberg coming on to direct uh, the Ready Player One movie, which I think is also hilarious because he's referenced in that book like multiple times in his movies. <laughs> so uh, that was one thing that really stuck. I think that's cool. I mean, when if you're gonna have a movie that's all about the '80s, who better than a man who really defined the '80s in a lot of ways with Indiana Jones, E.T. What else did he have in the 80s that was really... I guess, well, Close Encounters would have been more late 70s. Yeah, um... I mean, he was involved in, like, Poltergeist. Was that was that 80s? Yes, that <laughs> oh, way to, way to pull out the obscure. I'm just gonna... I'm, I'm just gonna find him. Dang it. He was the 80s! Um, no, but that was just really cool, and... and and that could help. Uh, maybe by then him and John Williams will be doing music together again, too. Who knows? What can you say? Spielberg was to the 80s for pop culture what Ronald Reagan was for politics. You can put it that way. There you go. There you go. He was the Ronald Reagan of Hollywood. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't work. Wait, Ronald Reagan wasn't. Anyway. All right. Another thing I caught this week, and this I think this was maybe, was this just yesterday? Sometime this weekend, the Ryan Reynolds pick with him as Deadpool laying all beautiful in front of the fireplace. Um, were you excited about that as a Deadpool guy? Um, I was, and then uh, for some reason I was just taken back to this old photo I had seen of Burt Reynolds in that same pose, and then I was like, oh, jeez. It was kind of a, <laughs> yeah, that kind of was a Burt Reynolds type. Well, I know we had talked about this a little bit earlier. You like the fact that he's going to have the white eyes, which is something that they've never done with Batman. Because Batman has white eyes. Briefly. They briefly did. That's true. In, like, Dark Knight, they kind of 
made people feel good by giving him those weird when he stole everybody's when he <laughs> stole everybody's cell phone codes or whatever. Um, but I always thought it'd be cool if they could figure out a way to make Batman have white eyes. So I, w- I was kind of cool. I thought that was cool too. How he'll actually have that. And I mean, obviously, for people who don't realize it, Deadpool is basically like a Spider-Man knockoff. <laughs> but instead of being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, he's like the Merc with the mouth. Yeah, he's a Merc with the he's a a mouthy anti-hero, basically, is what he is. Uh, the other thing I saw this week was they came out with a teaser for the new James Bond film. What, Bond 24, I think we're on now? Holy cow, yes. It is. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Uh, of course, when you think about the fact that James Bond, they've been making James Bond movies since, I don't know about your dad, but since my dad was, like, in junior high. <laughs> so... That's pretty crazy. Like, 19... Wasn't Dr. No, like, 1960 or 61 or somewhere in there? Uh, yeah. I want to say 62. Oh, maybe. Okay. I knew it was somewhere in that time period. But, I mean, that's a long... I mean... Yeah. To be around that long is pretty crazy. Not many movies. Because, I mean, when you think about it, James Bond, He's... in a sense, has never been rebooted, even though how many guys have played him? They don't really reboot him. They just kind of like, here he is again, you know, type yeah. thing. So I think, well, the whole Christina Christina Royale movie was like, oh, this is how he got started. But you never did actually have a whole, yeah, we're gonna redo this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, like it, like what I find confusing is like how Skyfall felt like a reboot. But by then, Daniel Craig was on his third James Bond, and so it was like, I felt that was very distracting, and it made me almost dislike Skyfall in a certain way, because I'm like, they're like restarting when he's already James Bond, I, uh, you know, (laughs) it just felt funny. It was just the fact that they kind of, it was very different style-wise. Yeah. Um, it was much more serious, I thought, whereas going back to what made Bond great, you know, you had the, you had that old cool car with the machine guns. Yeah, I know, I kind of, that's what was, I know a lot of people knock on Cars 2, <laughs> which, I get it, it's Cars 2, it wasn't the greatest movie, but what I thought was cool is how Michael Caine was basically like, the James Bond in that, you know, and they had him be like, look like the original James Bond car, that Aston Martin you know, and he had guns pop out of ridiculous places, you know, and things like that. Shoot oil on the road, and yeah, it was just kind of that fun thing like that. So anyway, I thought the Spectre trailer, to get back to <laughs> that, was, I mean, it was just, it was your classic teaser. It just made you think, oh, I wonder what that's going to mean, and wonder what that's going to do, and will Jaws be in this? Because <laughs> everybody wants Jaws to come back, you know. Everyone for the last 20 years is hoping Joss yeah. would come back. We want him to come back. You know, he's fell in love with that nerdy, weird girl in Moonraker. <laughs> I must be, like, the only one rooting that Odd Job comes back. <laughs> That's not true, because you're looking at another person <laughs> wanting that. But, I don't know. People are so sensitive these days, they'd probably be like, It's racist! Because no. <laughs> he's a little person and Asian or something. You know, who knows? Anyway, I thought he was pretty cool. I mean, he was cool, but he had some style and skill. Somehow, the sensitive people would be all over that, even though he's cool. 
Anyway, we'll get into our main topic of the podcast, our five anticipated movies of the summer. And what we're going to do is um, just kind of go back and forth, starting with number five and work our way to number one. So I think we'll have Dakota. Why don't we have you go first? So your number five anticipated movie of the summer. Drum roll. <laughs> and that would be Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, huh? I... Well, there you go. <laughs> I wasn't too, I don't know, I wasn't too pleased with who they had in this movie, but at the same time, it looks, it looks a little more, more in line with what was going on in the comic book, and I kind of like that, I mean. On the topic of casting, would you say, when you heard the casting for the first time around, they did Fantastic Four, were you excited about that casting? Uh, I was, just because, well, I think the only problem I had with that was Jessica <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Owen Griffud. I mean, you could you could buy him as a, this smart dude that, you know, builds yeah. awesome machines. I liked him. I thought he was a good Reed Richards. It's just that the movie around him didn't work so well. And I liked Chickless. Oh, yeah. He, he was, he was he, the heart and soul of that he movie. He definitely, yeah, he, he really owned being the thing, and you really bought it. And I liked how he wasn't CGI. Yeah, that's... Because I think they made it work. I think the makeup yeah. people... Made it work where even though he wasn't CGI, and you got to remember that was like post Lord of the Rings, where Fox could have went, well, you know they pulled off Gollum, so maybe we could pull off the thing. And I liked how they didn't, and that's what kind of worries me because I think this new thing is going to be CGI, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's totally CGI. Uh, they probably had the actor doing like you know motion capture, right, right. But which yeah. Jamie Bell would would know how to do from Tintin because <laughs> yeah. he was Tintin. Um, so he'd be familiar with it. He learned from the best, I guess, in that sense, from Andy Serkis. Um, but I don't, I don't know. You know, the the how everything is becoming so CGI infested has really made me start to appreciate practical effects more. Um, like Interstellar, I was super mixed on. I kind of left going. I don't know, you know, like, whatever. But I did like the fact that nearly everything in the movie is a practical effect, including that weird wormhole thing he was <laughs> yeah. in at the end. They actually did that. You know what yeah. I mean? They made that, and and I think that's cool. And just knowing that that was... how oh, that was real, you know? And and and, and, and I could tell it, it felt more real when he was in there because he was interacting with it. But, yeah, so Fantastic Four, huh? Any more comments on that? Do you like the darker way they're going at it or it seems to be anyway um i wouldn't say that they're going darker at it it just seems more uh it seems more serious i mean sure <laughs> yeah the first one it looked really lighthearted. i mean it, the preview for it i remember everyone was like oh that, that looks okay whereas in this one it's like whoa what's going on here and i think it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how they uh the transformation between these goes down between the characters in the movie. Yeah. Because it doesn't really look like they're in space or they get hit with cosmic rays. And... Sure. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about um, Dr. Doom seeming to be like an angry blogger instead of <laughs> the traditional Victor Von Doom backstory? It is, I mean... Um, I think I'm okay with that, uh, kind of in a way, because the original one was just so, 
oh, he was just so over the top cheesy. It was like he could have, he would, if James Bond had taken on a villain like this, it totally would have fit in with the movies from the sixties and seventies. I think. Yeah, yeah, and so, I, I think that is the director. Those, those Fantastic Four movies. That was the thing I heard him the most was that they just felt really cheesy. Um, which can work in the right context, but in what they were doing, it just came across funny, and it made you, like, kind of hate the Fantastic <laughs> Four, which they're, like, Marvel's first family. Yeah. It's, it, it, uh... You shouldn't hate them, but people do now. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. Um, uh, we'll just move on here. My number five, and I honestly don't have much to say about this. It's really in my number, in my top five, just because, um, in my opinion, Pixar has been on a hiatus for a while, just because I wasn't a huge fan of Brave, and, and that was kind of their more original thing lately, it was, you know, yeah, Monster University was kind of a sequel, and that had moments that were good and stuff, but, you know, Inside Out is coming out June 19th, and I'm really hoping this could be Pixar's return to kind of their cool original stories they do having these five emotions inside of a inside of a girl's head, you know, and seeing how they do it. And I think they picked good people to be those emotions. You got know, Lewis Black being the angry one and Amy Poehler being the overly joyed joyful one and I think they picked very obvious choices. Well, they're obvious. I mean, they're really obvious, but at the same time because it's a cartoon, yeah. The obvious choices might be a good thing, you know. Yeah. Because you're not going to, like, it would be annoying like if you saw Amy Poehler the whole movie. But since she's just the voice of something being animated, it might be okay. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I'm just excited because I'm, I'm really hoping it's kind of Pixar's return to good original stories. Um, you know, like their, you know, well, Monsters, Inc., Toy Story, yeah. Incredibles. Um, just those type of stories. So we'll see if that works. Um, number four for you, Dakota, what do you got? The number four pick for me is the movie Pan. Pan, and that comes out... That comes out July 24th. July 24th, yeah. Pan, uh, so I, I know you're, I heard, you know, you're talking about being excited, how that's one of your childhood's things that are coming back this summer. Um, yeah, so what are your, what are you excited about with that then? Oh, well, I really like the, the cast they have together for this one um and it looks really kind of i like the style they're going with for this it's uh seems more like a swashbuckling tale than a fantasy movie and i think i think it might actually be fun yeah the fact that the tra the trailer that they came out with that first trailer yeah that it looks like the old swashbuckle adventure um yeah i'm definitely with you on that one and how most how in a certain sense uh garrett headland however you say his name who's going to be james hook yeah, um, a young James young, Hook. Young James Hook, right. Kind of friends with Peter in this, it seems to be. Um, still has both hands, by the way. <laughs> yeah, still one. still has all his fingies. Um, but I just, I kind of, I, like, I think how how he kind of looks, like, in that swashbuckling atmosphere, how he looks like the Douglas Fairbanks of the movie, you know, how he just seems <laughs> like the, the sword play action guy of the movie. You know, and then, of course, you got... Hugh, the huge Jackman, um, as, was it, Blackbeard, right? He's being... Yep. 
and uh, how he just seems like he's just totally going for it. I mean, it, it, being willing to shave his head um, is usually an actor's commitment to a role. Usually the, the ways you can tell the actor's commitment to a role is their willingness to gain weight or to shave their heads. Those seem to be like the two telltale signs where everybody goes, well, they're really committed. I mean, he put on 60 pounds. You know, or, you know Russell Crowe, he's always adding weight and losing weight. And, well, you know. with Hugh Jackman, I think he's just one of those guys that completely jumps into their character headfirst and just pretty much is just like, oh, well, I think this is how it should be. Yeah. It's, yeah, if he's... That's the thing. If he's in a movie, you can tell he wants to be in that movie. Um, and sometimes you can tell when, when people are phoning it in. And it seems like he must be... He must not phone it as often. Because usually, like, when he's in stuff, he's he's there to be in it. You know, he wants to be there. It's funny, because, like... My best example of someone who didn't look like they wanted to be there would be Spider-Man 3, Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> she absolutely was like... I don't want to be here. They made me finish this trilogy. I don't know. I just felt like she wasn't in that. And maybe it was because she saw the storyboarding of the scene where where Peter goes, like, goth emo, and she was like, oh, God, I have to be a part of this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Um, well. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, Pan. Oh, I don't know why you had to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody loves that. My number four is actually, I believe, competing with your pan movie, because I, I think it comes out on July 24th also. My number four is Pixels. Oh. And oh. and you probably think I'm crazy for having this in my in my top five. But gosh darn it, it's in my top five. And it's because I want this movie to desperately work so bad. I am disregarding the fact that Adam Sandler's involved in probably in that regards Happy Madison Productions. And just hoping that the Christopher Columbus magic, since he's directing it, comes through more so than the Adam Sandler magic. <laughs> I don't know if you can call what Adam Sandler does magic. I just, I just like this idea of aliens opening the 1982 time capsule and thinking those are the things they're going to use as weapons against us. And it's just kind of ridiculous. I, I like the scene where they're, the aliens are coming down. It's like the mushrooms and bugs from Centipede, and they're just blasting in the air. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And they, they drive Mini Coopers as the Pac-Man goes. And I don't know. I'm just, I want it to work because it looks funny and cool. I should probably bring this up why I do not want to see this movie. It's, Pretty much ripping off a Futurama episode <laughs> where Fry imagined, asked this computer what life would be like if video games were real, and it put out this scenario where Earth was invaded by these aliens, and it was via <laughs> 1980s arcade games. It was a good episode, but I don't know. It's just In my defense, <laughs> I have seen five minutes of Futurama total. <laughs> So I can't say I was jaded by a Futurama episode, but that's interesting that, in 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 a certain sense, things like this have been done before. In you know, like, because you could even say that it's kind of like Tron in the real world, in a certain sense, also where it's like they're fighting the computer machine. I mean, obviously in this we're getting. I mean, it sounds like it's aliens, but you know, it's that same kind of idea in a certain sense. But most things are just kind of 
repackaged old things. <laughs> so, um, what are you really trying to say? What I'm really trying to say, Dakota, is that I desperately want this movie to make to be good, and you're making me feel bad now. Anyway, let's move on to numbers. What's your number three? My number three is Jurassic World. Oh, so you're going to make fun of me for repackaging <laughs> and ripping off old things, and then you have in your top five Jurassic World. Actually, it's in my top five, too. Anyway, um, Jurassic well, World. I couldn't help myself. Anything Jessica Chastain's in, I just, I just got to see it. I don't know why. Is she in Jurassic World? Bryce Dallas Howard's in it. Oh, oh my Wrong god. Wrong redhead. Whoa. How dare you? In my defense, they look <laughs> very familiar. They do. Are you serious? I thought it's, it was Jessica no, Chastain. No, it's Bryce Dallas Howard. But it's funny, now that you say that, and I picture them both in my head, <laughs> and they're both in The Help, they're both That's right. They're both redheads, and they both kind of have butt chins. <laughs> and so it's funny that you, uh, that, that, uh... Actually, what I noticed in the Jurassic World tra- trailer, speaking of Bryce Dallas Howard and previous works, was that in the Jurassic World trailer, I don't know if she's saying it to Chris Pratt's character, but she yells, Run! And I was like, that sounds really familiar. So I quick YouTube, Lady in the Water trailer. She says the same thing in Lady in the Water, except with a Cleveland in front of it. She goes, Cleveland, run! And it's like... She just uses run in every movie. I mean, I guess it's like one of the most common Hollywood things probably yelled in action movies is run. Actually, but it was, I believe that's let's get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> let's get out of here, baby. That's true. Or, But it was just funny how I think what it was just like her face. It was like the same shot. It's just that in one she was a mermaid thing. <laughs> in this one she's like some sort of CEO. So you're excited about this reboot. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a re. It's more of a sequel, I guess. Yeah. Is how they're kind of because the park is now open. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it too. I'm not gonna lie, I love the Jurassic Park world. When I saw the Jurassic World trailer, I said they stole my idea. <laughs> this is what what they're doing is what I wanted them to do in Jurassic Park three, was have a park that actually worked and kind of you know have that aspect of it and do things. Um, and go from there, and instead we got what Jurassic Park 3 is, which is kind of an annoying movie with Tay Leone. <laughs> yeah. But, um. So you were hoping for, like, a Westworld with dinosaurs, is what you're telling me? Well, that's kind of what, I mean, Michael Crichton did, I mean, anyway. <laughs> so besides fake Jessica Chastain, what, <laughs> what else are you excited about Jurassic World? Um, Really? Uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm curious. More I'm more curious to see what they do with this one. I mean, oh Jurassic Jurassic Park three, it was okay. Nowhere near as good as one or two. Right, right. But it's kind of one of those things where just like oh I love the first two so much. I I just got to see what they do here. You want and, it to be good, even though the gold bloom won't <laughs> be there to flare his chest. Yeah. Speaking of guys flaring chess, do, what do you feel about Chris Pratt? Are you okay with him being like the new action guy? Uh, I think I am. Um, mostly because he's he's like a really buff Harrison Ford, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Which and I like Harrison Ford. I mean, sure, he's a right now he's a cranky old man who's what <laughs> I, prone to accidents. But yeah, man. That dude, like, they talk about, like, every movie he's involved in, he somehow hurts himself, including the new Star Wars, and then he crashes a plane. But, yeah, he's he's falling apart. But, um, 
yeah, I know what you're saying there. Yeah, he kind of is. But what what makes Chris Pratt, in a certain sense, I don't I don't know if I want to say better than Harrison Ford, but he feels more real, just because he just the way Chris Pratt always presents himself in his roles. He just feels like the everyday guy, you know. Even though he, he you still buy him as that character, he still feels like just a normal guy, and I feel like you get more invested in it. Like, in Guardians of the Galaxy, I feel like I get really invest, invested in, investigated, invested into him, um, just because you felt like, you know, you felt like you could be him, or something like, if I were abducted, I could have been Star-Lord. You know, not to be all creepy or something, but you know, it's like, he just feels like your everyday guy, in a certain sense. I just hope that this Jurassic World isn't just him going into everything now and and he totally doesn't work but yeah hopefully he works we'll see how the training of the raptors goes that was kind of weird in the trailer where he has like bloodhound raptors <laughs> like come help me raptors <laughs> but um yeah my number three is mission impossible rogue nation Boo. july 31st that comes out uh I don't know. I I, 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 am quick to say that I am by no means a Tom Cruise fanboy, but for some reason, the Mission Impossible series, I like. I like those movies. Mission Impossible Two isn't the greatest. There's just way too many slow mo shots and birds <laughs> flying in slow mo and things like that. But wait, was that the John? The John, John Woo. Yeah. That was the John I was Woo like, one. wait a minute. That sounds yeah. so familiar. The, the, the only good thing that came out of Mission Impossible 2 was it was when uh, Ben Stiller started acting like he was Tom Cruise's stuntman, who was also named Tom Cruise, but spelled differently. And <laughs> it was That was some funny stuff. But otherwise, Mission Impossible 2 wasn't the greatest. But otherwise, you know, once Mission Impossible 3 came around, and, it, you know, you could say it got the J.J. Abrams, you know, they did a little J.J. JJ directed, and it kind of had his feel to it. I felt like that series kind of, like, got paddled back a little bit. And I was like, I thought that movie worked. It wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. And then Girls Protocol came out, and I couldn't believe it. I thought I thought Ghost Protocol was possibly the best in the series, and it was the fourth one, you know, and it's where Tom, I mean, Tom Cruise is like, 50, <laughs> you know, by that point, or whatever he was, practically almost 50, probably, because um, now he is over 50, I think. Um, I don't Still know. Still looks like he's in his 30s, though. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's those cap teeth in Scientology that are keeping him <laughs> young. <laughs> but um, Or he sold his soul to Satan. Could go either way. Either way. It, it's hard to know with that crazy cat. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of goopy. But anyway, I thought Ghost Protocol was like possibly the best in the series, and so that's why I'm excited to see what they do next in that vein. We'll see how this new director goes. He's kind of a guy who is known more for his writing than his directing. Who is directing? It's this uh, that Christopher McQuarrie, who he wrote things like The Usual Suspects. Oh, okay. And I think he else I, he's wrote, he's written I should say a couple or three of Brian Singer's movies like. Um, Usual oh. Suspects, oh, Valkyrie, yeah. yeah, and now he's starting to get into directing, and so we'll see if he can if he can handle that. But you know, from the trailer that came out, 
I'm in. You know, I guess I'm in. It, it, Rogue Nation looks pretty cool, and Tom Cruise says that the whole hanging outside the airplane stunt he did himself, like he did the Dubai Tower in the in the fourth one, was one of the hardest stunts he's ever done, if not the hardest. And so it's kind of, it's kind of cool how it's another thing where I think what I like about it is how they try to do these things practically in reality, and not just that. It's not a double, you know. The actor is actually doing it, you know. Um, he's actually doing it. What I'm amazed by is he does all his own stunts and everything, and I don't. He, has he ever been seriously hurt? I mean, I think it seemed like something did happen to. What didn't something happen to him when he was on the Dubai Tower? Like, um, I, can't I think remember. he pulled something. But yeah, in terms yeah. of like you're talking like broken bones, I think I I heard that on the set of Edge of Tomorrow. You know, where he's in the exoskeleton suit, and there's when they were filming the shot where that um, missile comes and blows up next to him and it shoots him back, that he, like, almost died yeah. uh, um, doing that. And so, I mean, I think he's had the close two, you know, like the close calls. Well, but, yeah, I don't know. He's not like Jackie Chan who seems to get hurt all the time, you know, when he'd do his movies. But Some of these actors that do that, though, it seems like they kind of end up hurting themselves bad. I know uh, in one of the James Bond movies, uh, it's the one where they're in... China. He's dangling off a building, and apparently he completely just messed up his shoulder, because that was him just hanging off the building. But and apparently he was having problems years after. And I know other actors have just you know completely kind of messed up parts of their bodies doing their own stunts. But yeah, he seems to just kind of bounce back, and you know every movie he runs like ten miles. <laughs> It's, yeah, yeah, his old choppy arm run. You know, yeah, you know, it just got me thinking. You almost wonder if maybe part of the reason Tom Cruise doesn't get injured is that he's, in terms of the stunts, he's in charge of, like, he produces his movies. He's the one who picks a lot of the locations. He likes to be in charge of things. And so maybe the reason he doesn't get hurt is because he knows exactly what's coming. Whereas sometimes these actors, they're not really involved except, they go, okay, hook me in, you know, and then they just get whipped and like, oh, my ankle or something or, oh, my neck. Whereas Tom Cruise, I mean, he always knows exactly what's going on. The Dubai Tower, you know, like was his idea. You know, he's, he, I think he's invested to a point where he knows what he needs to do to prepare. And to that, I give him credit, even though, like I said, most of his other movies, I don't really care for so much other than this Mission Impossible series and, and edge of tomorrow was actually a really good summer movie last year that a lot of people overlooked um yeah and and you should check that out it actually it is pretty decent i mean it's i mean you could call it a sci-fi groundhog day <laughs> but at the same time it's still a fun movie i thought so i don't know if you thought it was fun but yeah <laughs> I, I i thought <laughs> no i just i it was it was certainly a pretty big movie which um, I, I love the, <laughs> the multiple times you see the invasion scene done so many different ways. Yeah. It was like, uh, uh him, him waking up every day and <laughs> where they had that scene where the, the, I don't know if it was a drill sergeant, the sergeant was like, maggot, 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 like, everybody's <laughs> getting yelled at it, maggot. Uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. And, and Bill Paxton was just, he was the drill sergeant, Bill Paxton, uh, you know, or no, he wasn't, it was a colonel or. Yeah, he was uh, Master Sergeant. Maybe his Master Sergeant. Anyway, Bill Paxson fit his role pretty well. Is just kind of the over-the-top military guy. Mm -hmm. 
with a lot less potty language that he does in Aliens. <laughs> when he's the Space Marine in Aliens. That's one thing I liked about that movie. There was like a lot of, a lot of, kind of reminded me of other good sci-fi movies uh, and Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it had that kind of World War II feel in a certain sense. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how, so anyway, yeah. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, I, I just have high hopes for. So we'll move on here to number two, where we always keep babbling, but that's okay. Uh, what do you got? Number two is Terminator Genesis Terminator for me. Genesis, all right. Uh, <laughs> why? And I don't mean that, like, why, but just, you know, why? <laughs> oh, because it has the actress that plays Daenerys Targaryen. Oh, so, so you want to see it just because there's a Game of Thrones person in it? There no, has to be a bigger no. reason than that. <laughs> No, that's one of the reasons why. Is it because there's a Doctor Who in it? That's your reason. No, no, not at all. I, I don't. I don't even know what this guy looks like. But uh, no, I'm just kind of excited to uh, see how they do this. It uh, it jumps around uh, a lot in the Terminator universe, uh, and it involves the events of the first movie which uh, you saw in the trailer, the original Terminator played by Arnold. Right, he had Arnie coming back. Um, then then him and the <laughs> senior Terminator battle it out, which should be interesting how they do that. It, it, it should be. Like, those things, you know, you, you're hoping it'll make it good, but at the same time, it feels like it's the days of future past of Terminator movies where we want to fix our wrongs, and be able to start over and go where we want to go. What I get worried about is, is this going to be the new out for writers on movies where they're like, well, you know, if we ever get stuck in a quarter, we'll just we'll just have a time travel movie and fix everything. You know, you just don't want that to happen either all the time. But in that regard, I mean, Terry Genesis, I hope it works. You know, but... Um, I think they're doing this, too, because the last one pretty much left off in the future when they were actually fighting Terminators. Yeah. Mick, <laughs> Mick G uh, should not be allowed to direct movies. That is just my opinion. I mean, We Are Marshall is the only one I think I can stomach. But And that wasn't an action movie. Maybe he should just stay away from action movies because Charlie's Angels are terrible and and uh, whatnot. I'm just going to throw in whatnot. Sing <laughs> it in there. We're going to move on here. Um, my number two is Jurassic World, which we've already pretty much dissected apart, I think, till there's nothing left. Um, it's my number two, just because I'm kind of the same boat as you. It's childhood. I love Jurassic Park. Um, I just, that movie just, I don't know. I, you know, I was eight-ish when I saw that. And I think Jurassic Park is really one of the reasons I started to love movies the way I did. Was was just like that movie was so like amazing, and the special effects are still amazing when you go back and watch it. Um, yeah, it was one of those movies where if you really think about it, not a lot happened, but it was so big. And yeah, it was a really just... simple story, but you still like knew everybody's names which in my opinion is a good is a good uh way to know if you actually were invested like the new like the original lord of the rings trilogy you know everybody's names cuz you're really invested into them and you cared about the story whereas with it seems like with the hobbit trilogy i was like i don't know it's like <laughs> balin or philly who cares you know 
it was just like you weren't quite as invested in but with Jurassic Park like you said even though the story was you know in a sense took a backseat to the amazement of it all you still kind of cared about everybody except for Gennaro <laughs> got eaten off a toilet <laughs> One of the greatest gags ever in any movie. Still awesome. What's funny is that would be a classic scene where when you're a kid, you picture it that he was actually pooping. And then I go back and watch it now. It's like, oh, his pants were up. He was just in there hiding. I don't know why as a kid I thought, oh, he ran away scared from the T-Rex and decided to take a dump. You know? It's like, for some reason I always had him with his pants down. And then you get older and you realize he was just sitting in there hiding because he's a weasel. Um, which, yeah, it's still a funny Still funny scene. Still one of the greatest movie deaths. <laughs> Just because, again, it was like, it felt like a guy actually got eaten by a dinosaur. And it still feels that way when you watch it. Just, it's just Like I said, I think it's just one of the reasons I love movies so much. And that, like I said, I think that comes out June 12th. So we'll move on. We're going to go over some honorable mentions before we get to number one. Dakota, do you have any that didn't make your top five that you're still kind of looking um, forward to? Yeah. This is, touch. I have one. Well, I only really have one, and that's because I was a huge fan of the video games, the upcoming Hitman movie. Okay. And that I'm was a pretty popular video game series. I think I didn't really play it, but yeah, it was it was pretty fun. And then ugh, that last movie, it just the original movie, I should say, just Left a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> you didn't like Oliphant? No, uh, no, not a huge fan of his. And it was just, it was just a uh, I don't know, weird storyline and. They just loaded it with as much fighting and shooting as they could, and it was... Ugh. They could have trimmed <laughs> so much from that movie. They could have turned that entire story of that movie into a 15-minute movie. It's always good when, during your description of a movie, you go, ugh. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about the entire storyline, and it's just, ugh, it's just... It's too much. It's too much going on. Uh, and at some point in time, you have assassins turning on each other even though they're brothers <laughs> yeah what, what's going on here right why are they just randomly killing each other nobody knows okay you need anything else we'll just kind of touch these um ant-man i am ashamed to say but don't be ashamed i mean i think you're in the same boat as me where you you like the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I'm assuming as mostly, which I I do. Yeah. I like the Marvel Cinematic. Yeah. <laughs> you say it with a little more. I know you're more of a DC guy. Yeah, and that's that's okay. Um, but it's like it's it again. It's like one you just want it to work because. But at the same time, you so you don't like out of me. And I think we've talked about this before. We did. Paul Rudd just kind of <laughs> not sure about that, and the fact that him and the guy who wrote Anchorman got to go back and rewrite the script really worries me uh about where it could go so i don't i don't know uh it it could work but i mean it could be just like a you know not every movie is gonna be the godfather i mean it yeah could, right it could be just like a fun little movie to watch but uh and that's the thing they're trying to marvel is claiming that it's gonna be a heist movie you know, this was before, I don't know, I, I've heard rumors of some reshooting, but it's supposedly supposed to be a, a heist movie that has the superhero element around that. It was kind of, it's kind of like their new thing Marvel's doing in this phase, whatever phase they're in, now two, <laughs> I think is what they're in, where the Winter Soldier was first and foremost a political thriller that was superhero on the side, and now, you know, this is a heist movie with superhero to the side, you know, and it's kind of like their way of, Kevin Feige's way of saying, well, we don't just want to keep throwing out comic book things, but let's 
actually give him a story, and so, yeah. I don't know, I think the only re reservation I have about this movie is the fact uh, the director and, of course, Paul Rudd. I mean, yeah, you got I the just... director of Yes Man <laughs> and Paul Rudd. Yeah, I know what you mean. And yeah, any other? Would that be your, your honorable mentions? Um, I think that is it as of now. Okay. Yeah, mine are, I have Ant-Man, his honorable mention. Mostly same reasons you just tentative about the director, Paul Rudd. Um, and, yeah, I mean... We'll just see. Anyway, Terminator Genesis is one of my own wrenches, which we talked about already. Um, Tomorrowland. I don't think we talked about that one yet. Is George Clooney actually in that movie, or? Yeah, he's the scientist that's in Tomorrowland. I think he's oh, the one that okay. he's the one that made Tomorrowland as a place to discover and do experiments. I don't know if he's like Doctor Moreau or what, but uh, more of the reason I want it to be good is just the fact that. Brad Bird wrote and directed it, and I, I like Brad Bird's stuff. I like Incredibles. Uh, we, we talked about Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. He wrote and directed that. I liked The Iron Giant. Um, you know, it's just, I, I, I think I like want it to work just because I like Brad Bird, and I'm hoping he'll make it work. Um, that comes out May 22nd. Pan, one of my honorable mentions. Fantastic Four. One we haven't talked about is one of my honorable mentions, and I think it's on here, on the most be because I have kids. <laughs> is Minions, um, July tenth. I I honestly have pretty low expectations for this. <laughs> I like the Despicable Me's, but can the Minions actually hold up their own movie, or are they just a supporting character? This is the mistake movies have made in the past: giving a supporting character their own movie. Uh, can you think of a time where that's worked really well, Dakota? A supporting character getting their own movie? Um, actually, I can. Uh-oh, what do you got? What do you got? I want to hear it. Silence of the Lambs. And I say that because in the movie Manhunter, Hannibal Lecter, very, very minor, minor role. It's true. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Cause I think his entire screen time is probably about six, seven minutes. Yeah, because in the Manhunter, Red Dragon story, which is before Silence of the Lambs, the events, uh, yeah, he's he's minimal because he's just kind of helping. Um, what's William Peterson's? Oh, uh, Will Graham. Will Graham, thank you. He's helping Will Graham figure out the case, and he's pretty minimal. But it's one of those characters that you'll like want to know more about. In fact, I still would like to know more about Michael Cox or Michael Cox, <laughs> Brian Cox, Hannibal Lecter. I I just thought he was he felt more sinister and evil than Anthony Hopkins always felt like he's kind of overacting as Hannibal in my opinion but yeah and he'll admit it I mean <laughs> yeah he'll admit it now that he won an Oscar <laughs> but, uh, um well that's a character but I can't think of anyone continuing to play one where it did really well um yeah I mean I'm sure it's happened but I can't think of anything super notable you know where it wasn't just like a continuing of the series, but you know, like an actual case here where they get their own movie, just like, and I, and I mean, it's still gonna, in a certain sense, involve Gru because it's, it's what the minions did leading up to <laughs> finding and being Gru's minions, and so we'll see. I don't know. I just worry about if a if a supporting character like the minions who don't even speak English, 
can have their own movie, but I kind of want it to work just in terms of, because I'll have to watch it a lot, because my children will probably want to watch it a lot, and so, for the love of everything, please work, because I'm going to have to see this thing. Here's something to keep in mind, though. There's a reason why the Ewoks never got their own Star Wars movie. They, the Ewok adventure movies. Oh, good one. And they weren't very good. <laughs> Wilford Brimley, ladies and gentlemen, he was in one of those with that little oh, God. blonde curly-haired girl. I can't even remember. I forgot no. those things were even made. Oh. Yeah, well, it was kind of like the Christmas special where I think <laughs> Lucas hopes you forget about them. Um. Anyway, yeah, Minions. Uh, so number one. Do, 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 do. We better get there, otherwise this podcast is going to be like four hours long. <laughs> What's your number one, Dakota? Um. Well, I believe it's the same as yours, so should we both go on three? Ready? Well, this is kind of, <laughs> I feel kind of weird. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Avengers Age of Ultron. There you go. Avengers Age of Ultron is, of course, both of our number ones, because if you haven't figured it out by now, this far into it, we're both comic book nerds. Dakota probably more so than I am. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a bandwagoner in a way where <laughs> I didn't realize the magic of comic books till they were brought to the the silver screen, um, and then it kind of got me into reading them more and understanding more of the characters and realizing that they're a very worthwhile they're a very worthwhile thing to read. They have stories that are deeper than most books you'll probably read in your life, especially if you read Nicholas Sparks <laughs> or Veronica Roth or Stephanie Meyer, and dare I say, J.K. Rowling. Um, they're just very good storylines um, in those, and it's just got me to like these movies even more. I try not to be too much of a purist with these movies. You know, back to that whole <laughs> comic book thing, I've always, I always thought this was funny. People talk about how they're so melodramatic. I still don't think... Some of them are as melodramatic as Victor Hugo's work. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's Hunch, true. Hunchback <laughs> Notre Dame. Easily. So, easily. <laughs> there's a lot of classics that are, yeah, I know what you mean, that are way more so. Yeah. But anyway, Avengers Age of Ultron is both of our number ones, mostly because, uh, it's just, I mean, for the most part, we like the superhero movies. And then just, I don't know, like, with the, how did you feel about the first Avengers? Um, I thought it was actually pretty good. Uh, and did you think, like, the way they led up to it, did you think all that worked, for the most part? Um, yeah. You know, you had your little hiccup with the Hulk, <laughs> you know, the recast. But. <laughs> well, you went, uh, if you follow those movies, uh, you went in kind of understanding where they were all coming from. It's not like, oh, it's this random group of people just showed up that you knew nothing about. But you were, yeah, for the most part, it was pretty easy to uh, follow. And then, I don't know, I just, the the, the villain in the first one really kind of made, I mean, Loki. Yeah, a mischief. The, very good actor plays Loki. It actually, he, he in a sense, even though Chris Hemsworth, I think, really is a very good embodiment of Thor... Tom Hiddleston has kind of almost, which is funny because Loki's whole thing is that Thor's always overshadowing him, and it's almost like in 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 our world of watching the movies, in a lot of people's eyes, Loki overshadows Thor in that a lot of people love Loki, 
more than than Thor, and they like want Loki to come back as often as possible, which is kind of ridiculous in my opinion. But well, the guy has charisma. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's British. He's British. Um, yeah, I th- I I was one where I loved the Avengers. I went on opening weekend. I was it was so I was in a theater full of people excited. There was a kid in front of me dressed like Thor. It was just a fun movie. It was fun. And when it was over, you're like, that was fun. You know, you can still say that. And then, of course, the after credits shawarma scene is added to the funniness. But, um, I'm one who can go back and rewatch the Avengers and still like it. There's people who say it doesn't have rewatchability. I think it does. Well, the story of it does fall apart, but I don't think that takes away from what's going on. I mean... Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think because they got such great people to be everybody, for the most part. I mean, you know, your people have their qualms with well it seems like mostly with maybe scarlett johansson and things like that but i i thought i think she's okay yeah. as black widow i mean i think she's fine it's um, it's it's cool too because it's you actually get to get to see these people act uh every single character has their own moment where you get to find out what's going on with them I mean, yeah everybody he, had their moment he did it. joss whedon did a good job of doing that. Which is what he's kind of known for. I mean, right. Firefly, Buffy, Angel. I mean, that's just what he does. Um, he's pretty good at it. Uh, but uh, uh, one of the biggest surprises of the Avengers was probably Hawkeye. I mean, that's a guy who he briefly showed up before in the other Marvel movies. Yeah. Knew nothing about him. At the end of the movie, you're kind of you're kind of rooting for him, like. Oh. And it, and it's funny because he gets to be one of the superheroes when really all he can do is shoot arrows really straight. <laughs> yeah. But and I know it, it, you do you do end up liking him. You want him to come back. You want him to have a bigger role than just brainwash most of the movie like he was in the first one. And I, I think Joss Whedon in it, you could say like, well, he has to figure out a way to top it. But it's not even so much topping as I just hope that he's able to continue their story well. And and honestly, I guarantee he had the Ultron idea, bef- you know, far back where he knew that was the logical place to go next. You know, introducing Vision will be cool into the mix too. Um, you know, with, with Paul Bettany, the voice of Jarvis, <laughs> being Vision, which makes me think that, you know, maybe... Tony must have used his computer system to create Vision in that sense, and so that's why it has Jarvis's voice. And who is it doing the uh, voice of Ultron? James Spader. James Spader. He's, yes, he's kind of having a comeback here, it, isn't he? He is, and and honestly, that was an inspired choice for Ultron because that trailer between the fact that they totally made me like freak out to hearing the "There Are No Strings on Me" song from Pinocchio, they did it really <laughs> creepy, and then having James Spader's voice talking about he's free now and and you know basically going to start causing havoc and is uh that's a pretty chilling preview and it really i think it really set the tone where you start going oh my gosh i think somebody's gonna die by the end of this movie at least one avenger may die by the end of this movie and when you do finally see him i mean ultron does look pretty demonic with those it looks like he has horns and yeah. glowing red eyes. They gave him because he has the he has the look that you like when you look at him. You know it's Ultron if you know the comics. <laughs> he looks like Ultron, but the way yeah he's he's got that glow in the head. They how they did that. He does look a lot more. Um, he does it kind of more modern, sinister look to him, and so that's definitely. I mean that's easily 
I, I, this is probably the, the, the top of nearly everybody's list for summer of, of movie they either are excited for or they hope will be good or better be good because <laughs> it's supposed to be good. Um, I think there's only one one foreseeable problem I have with this movie, and that is Quicksilver, who has already showed up. Very excellently <laughs> done, too. I by, thought Quicksilver in the X-Men movie... By Evan Peters. Yes, Evan Peters. Uh, he was just... He pretty much made... He was like the breakout star of that X-Men movie. Yes. Being redone by another actor. <laughs> um, he kind... You're, a lot of people are going to go in there with expectations like, Oh, he's going to be just like he was in this movie. And it's like... Uh, no. Right. Right. Yeah, and... Right. <laughs> and the thing, too, is uh, I think in a certain sense, people have expectations on just how a speedy person is because of The Flash also being such a hit TV show, too. Um, and then, again, you know, with the Justice League movie obviously coming soon, there's just a lot, you know, there's going to be all these speedy people now. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. But yeah, having two different actors because of fighting studios over rights and who can say the word mutant and <laughs> who's allowed to say who Quicksilver's father is and all these ridiculous things that just whatever but I don't know they Aaron Taylor Johnson I believe is his name who's playing yeah he's one where he could be good we'll see so so that's it that's our that's our movies um we're looking forward to. I'm sure we hit on a lot of ones that you could be looking forward to, unless and, you're really into independent movies. And hopefully, we got you a little informed about what's going on. <laughs> yeah, as we, I hopefully we didn't babble too much. Uh, we weren't, like I said, we're testing this out. It's gonna be a little longer podcast than we, than I anticipated. Anyway, on about Dakota, but it's hard to say. I don't know if all of our ones will be this long. This one we ended up going over a lot of material just because of talking about basically 15 different movies in a sense. Um, you know, we'll see how our average podcast that we're planning on doing every few weeks will be where we'll, we'll talk about mostly just one movie that we'll, we'll have seen um, in theaters. That'll be kind of the, the main gist of the, the podcast is we're going to talk to you about the movies we see and uh, hopefully you care. Well, that's all from us this time. I think we've held you up long enough. Um, any last words, Dakota? Yeah, don't take any wooden nickels. <laughs> Thanks, Grandpa. Uh, well, that's, like I said, that's it for us. Have a good one, people. And remember, fish are friends, not food.